right. Welcome to Our Tangled Minds. Welcome to Our Tangled Minds. I'm Harry Widener. I'm Jack Widener. And we are on our ninth episode. Almost Holy crap. Time, which I know, which means we've been doing this for 18 weeks. A little more. Yeah. How wow. about that? Look at that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I'm proud of us because it's so easy to not do something. The fact that I've done something. Not not you. I'm not proud of you. You do things all the time. But me. It would be so easy to not do this. It, it is fun to do it, though. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I enjoy just, and- like, talking with you. Yeah, no, this is, I, I have a good time too. And I really wanted to say, like, from the last episode, I got a lot of text messages that were, like, people enjoying it. And whether they were oh, just being nice or not, I'm not sure. But, like, that really meant a lot to me that people reached out and said I'm enjoying it. So The little mouse in my brain is saying that they were just being nice. but Right, me too. But I don't <laughs> care. I don't know. Yeah, if you like it, let us know. We, that really does mean a lot. Do you put the email in the bio out. every time? No, I, I expect we should do that, that this time. All right, everyone. If you have any thoughts, questions, concerns, answers, please email us at ourtangledminds at gmail.com. Harry will put the email in the bio this time. Actually, no, I will put it in the audio. Dis- I'll put it in the description so Harry remembers to put it in the bio. And this is just. I don't know if, if you can hear that, Jack, but they're doing construction in the apartment, like, directly to the right of mine. I can't and hear it. And it is, they're just go, they're going fucking nuts over there. So it's been driving me crazy all week. So if you hear, like, a loud, that's what's going on. The microcosm of gentrification that is happening in your building is bonkers to me. It's weird. It's weird. You know, you have, like, the dichotomy of people paying as much as I'm paying, and then people paying like $300 a month. And the people who bought your building are just waiting for them to die so they can price gouge the whole building. Yeah. Real estate is bonkers to me. Not a great situation. And like, I don't know if you can hear that too, the the angry air conditioning. Well, anyways, you had a topic. Oh, oh yeah, let's start there. I just want, yeah, just let's see how you're doing. Um, how am I doing? I'll lie and say I've been good. How have you been doing? Dude, I've been busy. I I don't know what I've been busy doing. I guess my internship has been taking up more time than I thought it would. And then just like doing little things, lots of travel in the next couple weeks, which is stressing me out. Travel, you know, not being stationary in a place for more than, I don't know, a week at a time is that's tough. Like, I do that a lot. Like, I'm just, like, back and forth, back and forth to a bunch of different places. It burns you out because you're just thinking about it. You're like, oh, why grocery shop when all of it's going to go bad? I have a half gallon of milk that I just kind of bought on Sunday. And I only put milk in my oats every day. And so I don't, like, I'm not a milk drinker. Um, I think milk is foul. But it's going to go bad. So what do I, yeah, what do you do with a half gallon of milk if you're going to leave the house for a week. I never I buy, I don't use milk, so I never buy a half gallon because I'll never be able to go through it. I'll buy a half gallon of Oatly oat milk. Not a sponsor, just a fan. I love Oatly. Does that go bad? At the uh, much, much longer lifespan. Hmm. Also, just a disclaimer for people, expiration dates, best buy dates, 
really arbitrary. Trust your nose, especially with dairy products. Um, definitely check. And eggs have a much longer lifespan. Like, look into some of that stuff. Don't just start throwing things away. It's a little disclaimer. Yeah. You know when an egg goes bad. You and that's the big thing. You know when eggs go bad. You you typically know when meat goes bad. Not deli meat. Deli meat has a pretty be and because it's so cured, you can't really tell. Like, but like steak chicken you know when that's bad and that and produce you know when produce is bad i'd send you a ted video on it but i know you just make fun of me when i send you 10 videos well no it wasn't it's not me a making ted talk, fun of you it was like ed. i was busy doing work and you were yeah. just sending me videos and i was like do you just watch videos all day long i don't watch videos all day long i watch ted talks while i work okay see i couldn't do that i need silence no, I, but, I also, I, li- I do that or I listen to music. Yeah, I can't. Anything with like vocals, no way. What a good transition into the topic of today's episode. I right. wanted to talk about learning styles and we're going to make this and a quick one. I wanted to talk about why I think it's bullshit. I didn't okay. tell you this, but I. No, no, I, yeah. I, I'm excited for that. And so, I don't know. I need to make this short because I have to drive home today. So we'll just we'll just knock a quick one out. Sick. I mean, I don't even know where to start here. My learning style is Oh, oh, you're okay, wait. You're okay. So then maybe I maybe we can have more of a discussion where you say, I'm an audio learner, and then I say that's bullshit, and then we end the episode. Okay, you want to have a No 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 no. All right, let's do it. I'm not an audio learner. <laughs> I just uh, met the the idea of it. Yeah. No, I don't know necessarily agree with that. I that's what I think is bullshit. Well, I'm interested to hear why. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I just Yeah, you start with that. Start with that and then we'll dive. I think humanity loves to categorize things because I think we love order, right? Like it's like, "Oh, well we fall into this category. Oh, you're a June birthday, so that means blah 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 blah." You are this Myers-Briggs personality type. So you, blah, 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 blah. And I think we do the same thing with learning styles, right? Like we try to explain our own behavior, which I think has a point, right? Like it's not necessarily harmful just to know like, oh, I tend to love just reading a book, getting that information and note taking. Like that's typically how I learn. Mm -hmm. But I think when we create these categories, certain industries, and and people hyper fixate on that where they're like this is who this is what describes me as an individual and it's like no one is actually a hundred percent just this learning style and we actually we pivot like i think it's more impressive to think of humanity as adaptive or or non-adaptive but you know selectively adaptive where like some people are pretty rigid in how they like to go about things, but they're still adapting. There's still a gray area. They're not a hundred percent one thing. So I think categories really like where they start to become harmful is when, you know, you love business. Business says, okay, well, we're going to hire someone with this Myers-Briggs personality type, or we're not going to hire someone who's a visual learner because they only can be audio, blah, blah, blah. And like that kind of stuff happens. I mean, that's mm-hmm. a gross example a simplified example of it but i just think that like putting things into categories and and acting like they don't change and they don't evolve and people aren't dynamic enough to shift out of that is such i just think it's a waste of time 
Okay. There is merit to understanding how you learn best and how you think you learn best, whether that be categorizing it or not. Like, I'll talk about the way that I study and the way that I learn. So I go to class and I now sit through class and I don't really write notes. I write questions. Mm. And then after class, I go through the, the slides and the reading or whatever, and I answer those questions for myself. And then I type the questions into my computer, and then I, that's my notes. My notes are questions and answers. And mm. the way that I learn best is through active recall. And so when I'm studying for the test, I then ask myself those questions again and see if I can get the answer. And so that's how I started learning. And, and that's really just based on active recall. Um, and there's a but lot. But I think of, that that's a dynamic approach to active recall. What do you mean? Like you, you took something and you said, how do I make this work for me? Yeah. My, my life, my entire academic life has been based on optimizing and maximizing how I spend my time most effectively. And mm. part of that learning process, I used to take notes on every single word on every single slide. And that was such a waste of fucking mm. time because then mm-hmm. when I studied for the test, I would just read through the notes and passively mm. reading through those notes. What does that do for you? You know, I can sit there and uh-huh. read through the notes and say, yeah, sure. I don't know. Fatty acid oxidation is breaking apart fatty acids for energy. And then, you know, that, but that doesn't do anything. So if I ask myself the question in the notes, what is fatty acid oxidation? Then I have to go into my brain and like, think about the answer to that, that question. And so my, my life has just been like optimizing how I can spend Mm. the least amount of time studying while acquiring the most amount of information. Mm -hmm. But I don't think that I would necessarily say I'm like an auditory learner or a visual learner or a kinesthetic learner. Like I sort of, well, that's what I think is bullshit. Yeah. Right. That, that kind of cat that's, and I think we're on the same page here. Uh huh. So I'd be interested to know how do you learn and how do you take notes? I think I learned similar to your new approach. I, when I was in class, obviously I did a lot of reading and writing. So I spent, a lot of time taking notes, you know, so I have a book with me. I have a pen and I have a pencil and a piece of paper. Um, I annotate the book. I write notes in the book. I take notes on what I'm reading, all my thoughts and everything. And then I go into class the next day or whenever I had class, <laughs> maybe later that day. And I would, my classes were very discussion based. So I felt very free to ask a lot of questions, engage in that dialogue. So I might not have been taking, you know, I'd be writing down notes. I'd be writing down questions as a professor's teaching and I'd be asking those questions, you know, asking, having dialogue with the professors, talking to people in the class. So I think like a lot of my formal note taking was outside of class where I'd be taking notes on the book or I'd be looking up notes on the author and I'd be writing that down. And that's where my formal note taking took place. And then my like active learning was in class discussion based with people, seeing other people's thoughts, seeing the professor's thoughts, raising the questions that I had from the reading in class in a like kind of a communal context. Mm-hmm. And that's a huge difference between 
what you and I did in college. Like, yeah, my my classes were like, understand this and memorize Mm -hmm. the signaling pathway. And that's where I think that's a huge downfall of like STEM majors in general, because a lot of it is just memorizing concepts. And I hate that. So what I would do is I would try to build semantic networks of understanding between classes and, you know, bridge those gaps between like, how can I apply my knowledge of physical chemistry to my enzymology lab or something like that? You know, it's like, how can I really just make all of these classes into just one big knowledge base and one network in my brain. And that's that's what I loved doing, but I don't think a lot of people do that. And that's why I think people struggle mm. with things like organic chemistry. You know, that's a hard topic, but if you understand organic chemistry in the larger scheme of like how molecules interact and why a hydrogen bond exists there, then you can understand protein folding better. Really, I yeah. focused on on making a huge network of information, and it sounds like that's that what that's what you would. Do. I do that too. No, I'm. Yeah. I think that that's so cool that you and I both independently do that for wildly different things. Mm-hmm. But I think that's the way that brains should work. I think that that's yeah. how people should understand something. So, what is what is the pinnacle of understanding to you? Like, how do you know you understand something? And this is an interesting question because I know I understand mm. something if I can explain it to a child. You know, I think I think I'd say the same thing. How do you explain a literary concept to a child like that? Well, see, that's the thing. I never know if I, I, I don't know if I could confidently say that I ever fully understand something. For me to fully understand something, I often describe like, when I sit down to write a paper, I think I understand something. And the paper for me is really um, me trying to understand what I think I understand. It's me crafting an argument. I often describe it like, you know, you you kind of have like a block of marble when I start a paper and then, you know, you chip away and then eventually you hope to have something that resembles, you know, a cohesive argument at the end. But I, yeah, I think I would say like, uh, so there's, there's ideas in literature which are fixed. It's called formalism and it's, you know, your idea of imagery or your idea, uh, you know, um, like third person narrator, what is the tone of, what is the mood? And some of those things are subjective, but like you can explain that to someone, right? Like shifts in perspective, right? Like you read Frankenstein. How do you explain shift in perspective? Oh, okay. Well, some of it's told from Victor's perspective. Some of it's told from the monster's perspective. And those are different things. And then I think where you, you're not sure if you have understanding is the deeper questions in literature, which I don't know if, you know, you can never fully understand. That's why I have a problem with people who talk very finite about literature where it's like, you know, I don't love people answering unanswerable questions. So understanding shifts where it's like, you can understand your perspective, but I think you have to understand other people, multiple perspectives at once to really grasp a book or grasp yeah. a human understanding. And that's so different than, than understanding in a STEM field, mm. you know, but like, I don't know if I don't know. How so? Well, okay. So I took some biology classes mm-hmm. and we, I was in, um, we were talking about the cell and I asked one day because I I've noticed like science people, especially biologists explain the cell in terms that we understand where they anthropomorphize 
things, right? So like you have the ribosomes go and they search for this thing and then the proteins, you know, they come over and they do this thing. But we understand them that they are like set out to go do this thing. Mm -hmm. Their task, right? But they're not actually doing this task. We don't, ribosomes aren't living. mRNA is not living. Yeah. So, you know, you say like, okay, so the cell, which we is living, has a bunch of functions that are just based off of probability. It's contained, nothing is living in it. How is the cell living? Why is well, a cell living? But that goes to the question of like, what is life? And at what point right. in life, you know, and I don't, and I think we're not getting into that now, but biology <laughs> teachers love that shit. I think some of them do at least. So I think, you know, those abstract questions, I think they have a natural tendency to go towards basic understanding or, or just like memorization or whatever. Right. Mm -hmm. But I think some people in that field like it when you kind of pull yourself back and ask those bigger questions. Yeah, I mean that's why I love Dr. Belmonte so much. You know, Dude, he asks, so cool. he asks questions that that you wouldn't catch a traditional biologist even thinking about. You know, and so mm -hmm. he's he's forced me in the best way possible out of that that train of thought, um, which has been really good for me. But I think that for an undergraduate education and where the current educational system is it's not set up to ask questions like that in fields like biology no um and that Certainly sucks not. that sucks i think we would have it a does. lot we would be a lot further ahead if if that weren't the case do you think technology has influenced the way people learn and how has it influenced the way that you learn I'm not going to pretend to know how, but I think I'd be dumb if I said it didn't influence how people learn. I don't know. I mean, I guess for me, it's just put me closer to information. Yeah. I think it's just like, it's just I brought think it access closer. to information is higher, but I also think people's tendency to not actually understand things is way higher too. You know, you have more mm. access to more information. And so you get a superficial view and understanding of that information. And I think that's, that's a big downfall of technology in learning. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you like talk about like we went through a pandemic and there were two sides where people were like, stay healthy. You know, kids can't learn online, blah, blah, blah. Kids can't learn alone. And then I'd say, you know, Newton did so much when his university went into lockdown. Shakespeare wrote King Lear, wrote his sonnets. And then people would be like, you're fucking productive. Like Shakespeare wrote King Lear. And I'd be like, what the fuck is wrong with you? We're in the middle of a pandemic. Like, why are you telling people to go be yeah. productive? And I, I don't know, I guess I kind of fall in the middle where I'd be like, yeah, like we, we have a lot of information that's present and I don't think you have to have a superficial relationship with that technology. I think you can, like, I think 
you can learn independently. And I think everyone should be a lifelong learner and that they should have intellectual curiosity to, let's say you're not in a formal classroom. You should, that'd be great. Like we we have technology in front of us. Don't have a superficial relationship with it. Take advantage of that. But also that's not everyone's right. reality. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I, I try and everything that I do, Everything that I do, I always say, if something's worth doing, it's worth overdoing. I've lived by that. And mm. so... Some people don't have that luxury, though. I think everyone has the luxury of knowing as much as they can about what they're passionate about. And so you remember... What do you mean? Yeah, but no. Okay. So let's, let's, ha- okay. let's have a little example, right? Where does education fall on Maslow's hierarchy of needs? You are a single mother. You have kids to feed. You are, and you can't put yourself into these shoes. Disclaimer. You can't fully understand, but I'm going to, you know, let's do a scenario. You have to, your kids are in school. Um, You have, I, I mean, you have to work an extra shift or something to put food on the table. Do you have time to help them with their homework? And if that's not happening at home, the school system often fails kids from lower income or, you know, minority backgrounds because they they don't have time to help them with homework. They don't have time to foster that intellectual curiosity. So you might have, you know, less access to things at home. So you don't have the mom being at home being like helping to develop this intellectual curiosity. No one's helping them answer questions because what their concern is, they need to put food on the table. They need to pay rent. You That education falls in that priority list. And if you're so focused on those first two things, I don't know if you have time to independently explore your passions. Mm-hmm. It's a different thing. Yeah. I guess I'm speaking from an extreme point of privilege there. I think it's one thing to say like, Oh, well, you know, the problem, and this is something someone told me the other day. They're like, the problem is, isn't single, or the problem isn't like the lack of nuclear family. It's single family homes or something mm-hmm. dumb like that. I'm like, I guess like it's like the parents not putting in time, but education falls so low on the priority list. So it's like, on one hand, I think education is a basic human right. But on the other hand, you, you know, where does it fall in relation to food? God, like, I don't think about food on the daily. So I can pursue education. I can be surrounded by books and buy the Communist Manifesto yeah. for fun. Other people can't. Yeah. Hello, everyone. This is uh, Harry from the future hopping in. I just kind of wanted to reflect on what just happened. So I made that really ignorant comment about people's ability to access information and, and think critically. And Jack rightfully corrected me. And I think this is a really good teaching moment, really for me, but I hope for everyone else listening to this, that I'm sure that I will continue to make ignorant remarks in the future. And it's it's the process of you making those remarks, someone correcting you, having a conversation, and then growing because of it. So it's not about being right. It's about increasing your understanding. And so I really appreciate Jack hopping in and let me know back to the regular uh, show. So like us being able to have this conversation and like talk about, Oh, how do we learn? You know, it's like, we can really like 
separate ourselves from that and think about, you know, mm. what it means to learn and how we do it best. And how do you use that to then, you know, cha- maybe yeah. change a system to help? Ever- I mean, I think that's what I'm trying to do. I think that's a long-term goal for me. Yeah. Hmm. The world is tough. The world is tough. Sorry, that probably wasn't where you were expecting this No, that's not, ex- that's not where I was expecting it to go at all, but th- I'm glad it went there. Um, no, I think it's good. I don't know where else to go from there. I don't know. I mean, I think it's very, like, I, yeah, I spend a lot of time thinking about that. And I'm glad you brought it up. Because I don't. I just spend time, I spend so much time, like, seriously, critically analyzing things and diving so deep into the things that I understand. And I never realized how much of a point of privilege that comes from. Hmm. Yeah, I think the time to pursue, you know, intellectual things is, it's, it's truly a blessing. And I think every day, every day, I thank our mom and the people around us for teaching us the importance of education and not just teaching us, but kind of allowing us to have that. Like the fact that you and I are able to, not from an ability standpoint, but just that like, we can have a conversation and say, oh, well, I like to think about the, you know, we have this huge knowledge base and that's what the world is. And I spend a lot of the day just thinking about ideas and the abstract. Mm -hmm. And the fact that we can think about the abstract, even in a practical sense, that we don't have to necessarily deal with the practical repercussions of our intellectual ideas. I think that's, I mean, we're very blessed to have that experience. And I think about that every day and I'm very thankful. And I think that that in one hand is like, that is a detriment to society. And I think on the other hand, we can't judge people for not putting education first. Right. I will have to spend more time thinking about that. Talk to your dean, man. He freaking wrote the Dude, book know, on this. I know. He's so awesome. He's so awesome. Your dean is so cool. I guess we can we can end it there. Um, yeah, dude, we'll wrap it up. Sorry, no, don't, I'm ap- sorry. don't do not apologize. That was really good, Jack. I I really like. Thank you. That's huge. I learn something every week from you. I do too. I feel bad. I feel like I talk a lot. I just want to shut up. You talk, but I learn. But I'm excited to see you this coming weekend. <laughs> I'm I'm so pumped. Yeah, we'll have a good time. We're gonna have fun. Yeah, we got a good July. We have a bachelor party. Mm-hmm. Oh, we got a we we're gonna see each other so much in July. Yeah, it's gonna be good. I'm excited. But all right, I gotta make an eight hour drive. <laughs> all right. On that note, uh, thank you for sticking around and seeing how this mess really unraveled today. Uh, we'll see you in two weeks again. If you have any thoughts or questions or just like ultimate comments uh email us at our tangled minds at gmail.com all right man 